Um, this morning, we're talking about something that, that you may have heard if you were raised LDS. It's called the plan of redemption. I assure you, this is not the same plan of redemption. This is a different plan of redemption. And um, we're going to be talking about being kidnapped and being ransomed and being freed. So I want you to think about something right now before we go into this. I want you to think about somebody that you just absolutely love. Okay? Everybody has somebody in mind? Now, I want you to think about this. If that person, God forbid, were to be abducted, how much would you be willing to pay for them? your life, everything you own, everything. Well, we're going to be talking about a savior today who laid down his life, who gave up everything so that even while we were still living our lives of bondage and sin and, and rebellion, he laid down his life for us. This is the plan of redemption. I'm calling this kidnapped, ransomed, and freed. Um, Before I get into it, though, I wanted to ask if you would join me. We have several people right now from our congregation who have COVID. And so it's just a really weird disease, isn't it? It affects people so differently. Fortunately, um, we've had uh, anybody that's gotten it from here has survived and actually gone on to be quite healthy. So thank God. So, but could we, would you just join me as we pray? And for our online viewers too, if you would just take a moment right now and pray for those who are sick. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We come humbly, Lord, recognizing that you are in control. You are the king of all kings. You are the king of the universe. You are sovereign. You are Lord. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the healer. You still heal today. And we ask for that healing to be upon those who right now have the coronavirus. We ask, God, that you would um, just go in and and cause them to, to be healed quickly and with no residual effects. We thank you, we praise you, and we bless who you are, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the bad news is, anytime there's good news, There's always bad news. My husband always used to ask me, so I have good news and I have bad news. Which do you want to hear first? I'm like, no, I don't want to hear any bad news. I only want to hear good news. But in order for good news to really be good, you have to start from a place where it's not so good. So we're going to start out with the bad news. The bad news is you have been kidnapped. Anybody think you're thinking about some movies, maybe Taken? Thinking about some of the kidnapping movies? Well, the bad news is you've been, you've been kidnapped. Romans 6, 19 says, because of the weakness, this, this, like, this sounds just really rough, but it, it, I just want to let you know, this is not my opinion. I'm just reading it directly from the book. Don't shoot the messenger. Romans 6, 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery. You know, when, when someone is kidnapped, they're, they're taken into, into a form of captivity, into a form of slavery, whether it's sex trafficking, whether they're, they're taken as a sex slave, or whether they're, they're taking, taken into some 
kind of captivity to work. But here it says that he's using the illustration of slavery to help us to understand this concept. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness. Lawless meaning you just you were you just did whatever you wanted. You you didn't have any regard. It says this led you even deeper into sin. But now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. You know, it says in Romans, it says that you're, you're going to be a slave to something. Either you can be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to righteous living, which will help you to become holy. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how I remember <laughs> It says, you were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Remember, I told you this is the bad news. It will get better after this. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Now get this. I want you to hear this. Obeying the devil. Remember, you're going to be a slave either to the wickedness or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. There's no in-between. It says you are obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, okay, so now you, you came by this honestly. We came by this honestly. This isn't something that's unique to just you or just me. This is our nature, human nature. It says we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Okay, you got that? But here's the good news. You were kidnapped. You were taken into captivity. You, you became a slave to your sin. You became a slave. We became, I, when I say you, I'm not like standing up here judging. We're all in this. We became slaves And did you know that currently in the world, there are more slaves than at any other time in history? There's never been as many slaves. And in America, we think, well, there's not slavery in America, but I already mentioned it. The sex trafficking industry is increasing exponentially in America. And today, Super Bowl Sunday, is the time when there is more trafficking than any other day of the year. And you know, one of the things I've been thinking about for the Adventure Church, I've been really praying, we've been praying about this together as a leadership team, is how can we make a difference in this world? How can we be some kind of a light in the darkness? And this is one of those areas that just weighs heavily on my heart. And I I just believe that We need to do something. And I don't know what I haven't heard clearly, but I think we need to be involved in seeing captives set free, in releasing slaves from their bondage. Amen? Amen? So here's the good news. We have been ransomed. We were kidnapped, but someone came in and paid the ransom. 
in the form of Jesus Christ. I've been studying a lot of different kidnappings. There's a lot of famous kidnappings throughout the years. Virginia Piper um, was kidnapped in Minnesota. Patty Hearst, she was given over to Stockholm Syndrome, which means that she became sympathetic to her kidnappers. She became became a bit of a terrorist herself. Um, Adam Walsh, his dad started the the program, if you remember, It was called America's Most Wanted. He was a little boy who was kidnapped and his dad just like got on this vengeance to see criminals taken into um, custody. Um, Charlie Ross, have you guys ever heard of the saying, "Don't don't take candy from strangers? Anybody ever heard that saying? When you were a little kid, were you told that? Not only because sugar is of the devil, but also because... (laughs) (laughs) Also, because this little boy, he was a little toddler, this is in the 1800s, he was was kidnapped because somebody came up in a horse and buggy and offered him candy and he got in and and was kidnapped. Um, In 1974, Argentinian uh, grain traders and brothers, Jorge and Juan Born, were kidnapped by a terrorist group. Nine months later, they were released after the payment of $60 million in ransom, which today would be $293 million. But the most, the biggest ransom that was ever paid was in the World Book of Records. It was the greatest ransom paid for Atahualpa, the, was that, did I pronounce that right? <laughs> was the last emperor of the Incas to the Spanish conquistador Francisco Pizzeria. <laughs> I can't, I don't know his last name. In 1532, 1532 in Peru. And it was half, it was half gold and half silver to the tune of what today would be 1.5 billion. 1.5 billion dollars. Imagine. Is, would someone pay 1.5 billion dollars for you? I don't know anybody that could pay that for me, even if they had a GoFundMe. But the thing is about kidnapping is it's it's traumatic. It's traumatizing. I have a friend. You may remember her. She's spoken here before. She was kidnapped at gunpoint, and it took her months and months and months to get healed from that. I mean, she's still probably in the process. It's still traumatic getting abducted, which means being taken away by force illegally and held against your will. That is what kidnapping is. One of the the kidnapping stories that just really affected me, though, was a story of J. Paul Getty. Anybody know this story? They made a movie about it recently. So J. Paul Getty was considered the richest man in the world at that time. He was an oil tycoon. Well, his grandson, they were living in Italy. His grandson, John Paul Getty III, was kidnapped by a terrorist group. And they demanded, let me see, I want to make sure I know how much it was. They, they demanded um, $3 million. This is, this is in 1973. So that would be the equivalent of, of around $16 million today. Well, so they demanded this amount of money, and his grandfather the richest man in the world, refused to pay for his grandson. Check it out. Like, thanks a lot, Grandpa. Right? He refused to pay. So this terrorist group, now if you're queasy, I apologize, but this terrorist group cut off one of the boy's ears and sent it to Grandpa, J. Paul Getty. And they said, 
if you don't pay us the ransom, we are going to send you his other ear and we will continue to send you little parts of him. Sick, huh? And this is, a, this is to me, it's so symbolic of what sin does to us. Just takes a little bit of us. Just brings death to us. Anyway, so J. Paul Getty decided, you know what? I'm not going to pay this until he found out there was a tax write-off. So he decided, okay, I'll write off up to that amount, which was $2.2 million he could write off. And then he charged his own son, or he he lent his own son the extra $800,000 to pay the rest of the ransom at 4% interest. Right? That story just bothered me so much. I mean, it ends so tragically. This, this young man, he ends up becoming just a, an addict, and he, and he ends up dying of a stroke. I mean, it is the saddest story, but it's so symbolic of what sin does to us. It holds us captive. And, you know, we look for that ransom in all kinds of different things, don't we? We look for our deliverance, and actually what we do is we look to Ross for our deliverance. You're like, Ross, what does shopping have to do with this? Ross is an acronym. We look to religion. We look to others. We look to to stuff. And we look to ourselves for our deliverance. And the ironic thing about this is we look to those same things that hold us captive. We look to religion. We think, well, you know, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And and I think if if I just decide to do good things, I'll do more good things, that'll kind of offset the bad. But that's, that's not the way it works, does it? H- have any of you ever looked at somebody who's like really like religious? And, and I'm not saying spiritual, not having this sweet relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about somebody who's a rule follower. And, and have you ever looked at that person and thought, wow, I want to be just like that person when I grow up. No, you look at that and you go, ew. And if you are that person, ew. <laughs> religion is just icky, isn't it? Religion where you've got this. It's, it's like the religious people in the Bible were the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And you've heard that's why they were sad, you see, because they were so religious. And that could not save them. That could not heal them. It could not bring them any freedom. All it made it do is it shoved their sin deeper and deeper down because they had to hide it because they had this religious exterior. And so we look to religion. We think maybe religion will save me. No, religion can't save us. And then we think, well, I'm going to look to someone else. I'm going to look to others. Don't we? We look to maybe our spouse or we look to our parents Or maybe we look to even our children to fulfill us, or our grandchildren, or our friends, or other people. We think other people will fulfill me. And I just want to say this right now. If I had a soapbox right now, I would be stepping up on top of it saying this. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. Please do not ever expect the church, i.e. this family, the adventure, or any church, to do for you what only Jesus can do, right? So many people are dissatisfied with the church. Oh, that church didn't meet my needs. 
well, the church isn't supposed to meet your needs. Jesus, and not that, I don't mean to say like he's going to meet all your needs, your perceived needs, but your actual needs, he does meet. He has provided for all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Everything we actually need is found in Christ. And I want to say, this is the way to freedom. This is the ransom. He's the one who paid the ransom for your, for your freedom. There's an old hymn called Trust and Obey. And the words are, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And I don't know which, which one you need, to, you need to be hearing right now, for some, both of them, but for some of you, you're in a season and you need to just trust. You might be in a confusing season and you feel like God is not hearing you. You feel like your prayers are just tinging back, pinging back to you. You don't understand why is God not hearing me? And you just need to trust. He is good. He is kind. He's all powerful. He is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Amen? You might need to trust right now, even when it's dark, even when you don't understand. Trusting. But some of you are in a season where you need to be obeying. The Lord has already spoken something to you. And you're just like, Camp Town Race is singing a song. I'm going to keep myself busy. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. And, and the Lord said, no, 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 right here, right here. This is what I'm saying to you. And you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't really need to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this. I'm going to distract myself. And the Lord's like, right here. And I want to say this now. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit has spoken something to you and you have not done it, do you really think that the Holy Spirit's gonna speak something else? So I wanna say this, and I'm not trying to be hard or harsh, but if the Lord has spoken something to you, ask yourself this, have I obeyed the last thing I heard? And if you haven't, guess what? He's not going to speak something else to you. And, and I want to just pause right here and say this. We are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit still operates today the way the Holy Spirit has always operated. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God speaks to us. We believe we can hear his voice. We believe that we can know him. We can have intimacy with him. And he doesn't speak to us the way we expect him. We want this audible voice, but he speaks to us. The more we give ourselves to him, the more we can sense his presence. You know, this morning, I woke up way too early, and I sensed like this little urging, like, you should get up now. I have something for you. And I was like, get behind me. <laughs> it was really early. I used to be the person that was like, hey, if the sun's not up, I shouldn't be either, right? <laughs> but I reluctantly got out of bed and I went and sat in my chair. I had the sweetest encounter with Jesus. I just sat in his presence. And let me say this, you can sense his presence. 
If you seek him, you will find him. He will be found by you if you press in, if you lean in, if you want to know him. If You know, Jesus says nothing else matters. Nothing else matters except to know him. Not religion, not others. I'm not saying others don't matter. Don't stone me for heresy. Others do matter, but they can't deliver you. They can't pay that ransom for you. Only Jesus can. Stuff is never going to fulfill you. You know, some people are like, oh, if I, if I just had a Tesla, or if I, just had a, if I just had a BMW, or if I just had, or if I had a nicer house, or if I had better clothes, or if I had a better body, or if I, if I just had a better reputation, that would fulfill me. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't fulfill you. Religion doesn't fulfill you. Other people don't fulfill you. Stuff doesn't fulfill you. And you can't fulfill yourself. You think, oh, man, if I just, if I was more fit, if I was more carved. You know what ends up happening most of the time? That people that, that are obsess over their physical appearance start to get even more obsessed with it. And it becomes like a form of religion because they're not satisfied with it. It's never good enough. Never, they're never fit enough. None of these things can satisfy only Jesus. He is the one who paid that price. He is the one. There's, um, there is a word in the New Testament, and the word, it's a Greek word, and it's called lutrosis. Lutrosis means the full payment for a slave. So back in the early days, back in the days of the Romans, you know, that people would stand on the block and, and they would be purchased. And then they would just go and they would have to live and serve someone else or they would be purchased so that they could be set free. But lutrosis is the full payment for the slave. And, and it says in Hebrews 9.12, it says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, which is how it used to be done in the Old Testament. You know, if you sinned, you'd have to, to bring in a sacrifice. You'd have to bring in a, a dove or a spotless lamb or a cat or something. You'd have to bring that in and have it sacrificed, right? But this, it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but he, capital H, he, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. This is the plan of redemption, it means to buy back, redeem, to buy back. Anybody um, ever had their car possessed, repossessed? Anybody? That is a racket. Let me tell you. So let's imagine you've been making your car payments religiously every single month at your 21% interest rate. You make your car payment, right? And you own this car, and then you accidentally park it in the wrong spot overnight, and they tow it away, take it to some junkyard, and then you have to go, and you have to pay money for what you've already purchased. That is the same thing, redeeming. Jesus redeems us. It says, before the foundations of the earth, we were called. Before the foundations of the earth. There's this song that I absolutely love. We sing it sometimes. It's called, As You Find Me. And it says that, um, what are the words? As I, um, I was your, I was found, <laughs> I have my dyslexia. I was found before I was lost. Now think about that. I was found before I was lost. 
I was yours before I was not. So Jesus had you in mind when he created the universe. He already thought about you. He already had plans, awesome plans for your life. But then you were kidnapped and you were taken into captivity. You were taken into this place of bondage. And Jesus came and paid the price. He went to the cross and died for your sins. This is what we call the gospel, the good news. This is the good news, is that you have been ransomed. Jesus ransomed you, and he secured forever your redemption. The book of Exodus is all about bondage. It's all about the Israelites who were led into Egypt. Egypt always represents a place of bondage, a place of captivity. Well, originally, they were brought into Egypt because there was a guy named Joseph who went into Egypt, and then the Israelites started to increase. They started to multiply and multiply, and they became very powerful. Well, the new Pharaoh that came in didn't know anything about this great guy named Joseph, who was an Israelite, and he was ticked off, and he was like, we have to do something to subdue these Israelites. They are just increasing too much. So they took them into captivity. They took them as slaves and they started to make them work and work and work. And they're like, you're going to need to make more bricks. We're going to give you less resources, but we're going to expect you to produce more. Does this sound familiar to anyone? <laughs> you thinking of your current job? We need you to work more hours, but we're going to pay you less. Or we need you, you know, this is, this is still, it, it, this is this, the, the spirit of the age of working more with less. This is another form of bondage. Some of you put your hope in your job and in your work, and it will never fulfill you. But this is the condition of the Israelites. They were living in bondage, and I want you to listen to this. Exodus 6, chapter 6, starting with verse 6. This is a promise that the Lord still speaks to us today. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of righteousness. Now, every one of us is held captive by something. There's something in us. Let's call it sin. Sin just means not being as perfect as God. It means falling short of, of God's perfection. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has been held captive by something. And there is a lie that you have been believing that you are never going to get set free from that. This is your life. This is just the way it is. You are not going to get delivered from this. But here's the good news. Jesus already paid the ransom. All you need to do is step out of that cage. And Jesus has promised he would give you freedom. Amen? I mean, I know there are those of you, yeah, that is good news. We can applaud the Lord for that. <clears throat> there are those of you, and you believe you will never get delivered from your porn addiction. That is a lie. There is freedom. There is freedom. And, and I used to be a pothead, and I remember, like, I would think, oh, I, I think I... I think I might be addicted. I mean, psychologically, I was like, ah, I think I might be an addict. And then I'd quit for like three days. You'd be like, 
See, I'm not addicted. So then I'd start up again. Or cigarettes. I'd think, oh, man, I'm starting to smoke way too much. I should, probably should cut back. And so I would stop for like a day or two. <laughs> See, I'm not addicted. And this is the very nature of our sin, is that it, it's surrounded by lies. It's wrapped up. It's like, it's like filet mignon wrapped in bacon except it's not that good. Let's say it's putrid filet mignon that's going to give you food poisoning (laughs) wrapped in bacon. But it's this horrible thing that says, I I am going to stay in this sin forever. I can never get set free from this. This is not the truth. There are those of you who are addicted to alcohol and you believe the lie that says, well, I'm I'm an alcoholic, therefore I can't ever get set free from alcohol. Yes, you can. There are those of you who are judgmental. And you're just like, well, that's just the way I am. No, you were not created to be judgmental. There are those of you who are gossips. Those of you who are critical. And you think, this is just how I am. I can never get set free. But this is the good news. Jesus already paid the ransom to set you free from your kidnappers. Amen? You can be set free. This is a promise. I am the Lord, I will free you from your oppressors and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you. Say that. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Here's what Exodus 8.22 says. It says, on that day, I will give special treatment to the land of Goshen. Keep that in mind, Goshen. This is where my people are living. No flies will be there. This way you will know that I am the Lord in the land. Now, this probably sounds really random. What what had happened at this point was God raised up a guy named Moses to come and to to deliver the Israelites from their captivity in Egypt. And what happened was he kept going to Pharaoh and Pharaoh would go, okay, you guys can go. And then he'd go, nope. And he'd harden his heart. Or God would harden his heart. And he would say, nope, you can't. And he would stop them because he didn't want to lose all of this free labor because he had all these millions of slaves. Okay, and so then Moses keeps going to Pharaoh, who's the head of Egypt, and he keeps asking him. And so what happens is the Lord finally goes, okay, we're going we're gonna to do 10 plagues. So he does all these plagues. There are like the, the water and the rivers turns to blood. So then the animals end up dying. And then there are frogs that come up. And then there's lice or gnats. There's a dispute on which either one, okay? Either one are gross, okay? These are some of the plagues, and there's darkness. There's, then there's a pandemic, and all of the animals, the livestock starts to die. Then there's darkness. There's all of these plagues, and then the one plague is flies, Now, flies are annoying as all get out, right? If you have one fly in the room, it can ruin the whole atmosphere. Isn't that true? One stinking fly. Well, I've heard that there are flies. They are now extinct. Thank you, Jesus. But they are called ichnomen flies, which means that they burrow themselves. What they do is they find a host and they attach themselves to the host, and they tear down the immune system of the host. Now, if you're queasy, you might want to plug your ears right here. These ichnomen flies, what they would do is they would burrow themselves into your eyelid, and they would lay eggs, and then they would just try to... So these are not just these ordinary flies. These are like nasty flies. 
These are kind, the kind of flies you don't want around you, nor do you want them around your livestock. So these flies, here it says here in Exodus 8, it says, there will be no flies there. They're in the land of Goshen. You know what Goshen means? Goshen means a place of drawing near. And this is the word of the Lord today. That as we draw near, no matter what's going on around us, we are safe, we are comforted, we are protected as we draw near. That is what Jesus is calling all of us to do. He's saying, I paid this ransom so you can sense my presence, so you can be free, so you can live your life to the fullest, that you can be be released from your bondage. You can be released from your captivity in the land of Goshen, the land of comfort and plenty. Do you know that, that there's, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about the still small voice? And this is, this is basically a whisper. And do you know that if you whisper to somebody that's across the room, like if, if I whisper back into that corner, if I didn't have this microphone on, that person couldn't hear me. But what you have to do, if you whisper to somebody, you have to be close enough to that person so you can hear them. And this is what Jesus is saying. Come into Goshen. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. This is a place of comfort and safety. I will comfort you. I will comfort your broken heart. And right now, I I, I just have a sense. I was reading this this morning. I just believe that this is a prophetic word for someone who's here today. I just want to read this to you. I shared this earlier with someone. This is in Psalm 90. Please open your heart right now to hear the word of the Lord to you. This is Psalm 90, starting with verse 15. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory, and may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Oh, yes, make our efforts successful. Don't you want gladness? in proportion to your former misery? Anybody else? Signing up for this, right? You think about everything that's happened to you, your pain and your sorrow and your suffering and your depression. Some of you may have been suicidal or you might still be. Your hopelessness, your destitution, your brokenness. And God wants to give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. And it happens in the land of Goshen. It happens in that place of drawing near to him because we have been paid for, because we have been set free. Exodus 9.26 says, the only place it didn't hail was where? The land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. This, you know, Jesus already told us we're going to have trouble, but We do not grieve as those who do not have hope. We do not go through trials as those who have no hope. We do not suffer as those who have no hope. Our hope is in the Lord all day long. Amen? If God is for you, who can be against you? 
Who cares what's going on at work? Who cares if everybody hates you? I mean, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, but this is what I was telling somebody earlier. I used to always tell my kids, I don't care what other people think of you as long as God is pleased with you. There's only one opinion that matters. Have you heard the saying, the audience of one? We live our lives to an audience of one. We care what he thinks. Because the thing is, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love others. You have to. Because if God is your God, the God of love, the God of whom it is said he is love, if you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will naturally love others. You will naturally do things that will bring you freedom. You will naturally do things that will, you will receive that ransom that has been paid for you. There's in Ephesians 1 verse 7, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption, redeemed, bought back. That's what redeem means, to be bought back. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, Right? It is grace. It is not what we do. We respond because of his grace. There's a word. So remember lutrosis. What does lutrosis mean, students? What does it mean? Complete payment for a slave. There's another word which means apolutrosis. Apo means to be conformed back to the original condition. Apolutrosis means the full payment forever. And this is what Jesus paid. This is what Jesus did in Ephesians 1, 7. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. It is the full payment of slaves forever. So Jesus didn't come to just set you free for two or three days. He came to set you free forever so you can live your life free of bondage. You know, we think, we think, oh, I'm going to just make the right choice. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. And you try to walk away and you got this big old chain holding you back. And you're like, oh, I'm not in bondage. I can go anytime I wanted to. But you're just stuck. You're in this bondage. Your foot's nailed to the ground. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and Take that nail out of your foot so you can walk and you can be who you were called to be. Apolutrosis. Isaiah 53, 5. Jesus was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. It doesn't say Jesus, it says he, but this is a prophecy pointing to Jesus. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus Christ came to earth, took on human form, and lived a perfect life. But he was tempted in every way, just as we were. You know, some people are like, well, that's not really true. I mean, Jesus, I mean, there wasn't the internet when Jesus was alive. He wasn't ever tempted by porn. But you don't think Jesus was tempted by prostitutes and women? Jesus endured every kind of temptation, and it says there's no temptation that we can't overcome, but not on our own. We can only overcome this through the blood of Jesus. That is why he was despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That is why he was crucified. He was pierced for our rebellion. It's, it's on behalf of us. This is the ransom that was paid. Perfect blood for imperfect. 
Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the price for us so that we could be set free. Amen? Do you want to be set free? Or do you like Egypt? Do you like living in bondage? Do you like being a slave to, the, your, to your sin, whatever that is? You know, it always starts out all shiny and sparkly, making all these promises until you're trapped by it, until you can't not do it. Sorry for you English majors. You, it always starts out making false promises, lies that say, you know what, if you just did this, if you just, I mean, I know you're married and... Man, that guy at work is so nice to me. and I mean, I can just flirt with it for a little bit. I mean, until your whole life falls apart because you end up going down that path. And you're reduced to a loaf of bread, the, the Proverbs say. Or when you just, you start gambling just a little bit, you're just going to, ah, I'm just going to do it just a little bit. And all of a sudden, you lose everything. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? It starts out making all these promises, and then in the end, it leads to death. That's what the Proverbs say. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it just leads to death. And that's why Jesus came to set us free. Colossians chapter 1. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. One of the plagues was darkness. And that wasn't like, just like, oh, it was kind of dark. And, um, you know, they just turned on their iPhone flashlight. What happened was it was 24-7 darkness. They could do nothing. They couldn't see anything. And the Bible says that, that we too walked around in darkness, a thick darkness. But it says we have seen a great light. And it says, he's delivered us from that domain of darkness and transferred us, taken us from this place of darkness and brought us into light. Jesus is the light. He gives us clarity. He gives us the ability to see. He gives us the ability to hear his voice. Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that you can be set free? Okay, one person. What was for you? Do you believe you can be set free? Do you believe that he can deliver you from your bondage? Do you believe that you can actually walk in freedom? Do you actually honestly believe he can deliver you? And I'm going to say, you don't have to answer this one, but can he deliver you from porn? Yes. Somebody knows that. He can. Can he deliver you from alcohol? Can he deliver you from critical thinking? Can he deliver you from suicidal thoughts? Can he deliver you from anything? 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 Anything that's holding you back? Yes. He is the deliverer. That's one of his things. He's a deliverer. And in Titus 2, verse 14, Titus 2, he gave his life to free us from some of the sins. Right? Is that what it says? He gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin. Every kind of sin. Whether it's greed, whether it's lust, whether it's covetousness, whether it's criticism, whether it's hopelessness, despair, rage, any of it. He can set you free from any, every kind of sin. Just to set you free, just so you can go back to it as a dog returns, or as a dog returns to his vomit. So the fool returns to his folly. 
No, he does it to cleanse us, to take away even a hint of it. You know, sometimes when I, when I meet a new person and I tell them my story and I, and I share with them just what God has delivered me from, sometimes it's hard for them to believe that I was involved in some of the things I was involved in. But the fact is, God takes away even the residue of that from you. It says he cleanses you. And it says, and to make us his very own people. That's why he paid such a high price. So that you could become his own. So that as you seek him, you'll find him. If you seek him with your whole heart. And it says you can be totally committed to doing good deeds. It doesn't say if you do these good deeds, then that's what's going to save you. That's going to make your way to heaven. No, it says that he's already paid the ransom. Could you even imagine if someone paid a ransom for you, laid down their life for you, and you're just like, thanks, dude, later, and you just went about your way and nothing changed? What would you do if you knew someone had saved your life? You would be so grateful. You'd be like, I want to, what can I do? How can I ever repay you? And Jesus says, I've already prepared these things in advance for you. I created you for a purpose. And that's, you know, that's one of the things we believe here at the adventure is that as we grow our lives, as we grow in our intimacy with Jesus, that we will start to be a light to the darkness. We'll start to to impact our world. As we walk in those good deeds that Jesus created us to do, we do life, world, dream, growing our lives, impacting our world, and becoming fully who God created us to be. Right here it says, we will be totally committed to doing good deeds. This is the trust and obey thing. Is that we just continue to trust. Trust this more than you trust this. This will lead you astray. This won't. Know the full counsel of God. Know what the Bible says. So you will no longer be enslaved. You will no longer have to be in bondage. And you can walk out of it. You can say, that penalty has been paid for me already. Jesus Christ paid the ransom. I was kidnapped, but I have been bought back. I was lost, now I am found. Amen? I was bought back because Jesus Christ went to the cross and I am forgiven and I can walk in freedom. If you're someone and you feel like you don't know for sure if you're a child of God, I want to say today is the day you can come out of Egypt. Today is the day that you can walk in freedom. Today is the day you can be set free from the bondage of fear, the bondage of sin, the bondage of hopelessness, the bondage of suicide, the bondage of despair, the bondage of depression. You can walk in freedom. Today is the day of your salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the righteous turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord and be saved. If that is you, if you don't know if you're a child of God, you can know today. I want to pray with you or somebody wants to pray with you, maybe someone that brought you. And if you're, if you're online, please contact us. We want to walk with you. Today is the day we can know that we have been delivered, that we have been brought out of Egypt. God split that sea. We walk through it. Amen? Today is the day. Walk in freedom. Walk in truth. In the name of Jesus, can we applaud the Lord for his goodness? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord.
I love you all. I will see you next week. Walk in freedom. Bye.